Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual. In this special episode, join Lachelle and guests, Matthew Letterman and Mark Idetta, both of whom offer this work to others and study with wise heart, ask questions and offer their own discoveries as they cultivate this important aspect of mindful, compassionate dialogue, consciousness, and skill. Hello, everyone. We're here today with Mark and Matt doing another competency. We're on recognizing reactivity. Competency six, I believe, right? No, competency five, competency five. Mindful, compassionate dialogue, relationship competency five. Hey, y'all. Good to see you again. It's been a while. (laughs) Good to see you, Michelle. You too. We were talking before we started the recording that you have some things that you brought, some things that are alive. Either of you have a sense of where it would be connecting to start? Yeah, I, I enjoy, or I find learning or integrating the learning most if, efficient for me is using real life experiences and then sort of walking through and applying the concepts to them. Mm-hmm. So I brought a real life experience around reactivity. Yay. And it was interesting. It's not around react. I used to think of reactivity as just anger. Mm. Right. But it's, it's more, mm-hmm. you know, my reactivity around, it's actually the opposite of anger, more of like shutting down mm-hmm. or pulling away, mm-hmm. which I didn't think of as reactivity before. Ah, great. And just as you say that, Matt, I'm realizing it might be helpful to, to give our definition of reactivity as we define it here anyway, that when we're talking about reactivity, we're talking about a misperception of threat that triggers the physiology to get activated and escalated, which can feel like shutdown also, right? It can be a freeze, flight, or fight kind of stage. Or it can also be much, much more subtle than that and then when we talk about that kind of reactivity, we we can say it's chronic reactivity in which there exists habits of body and mind and decision-making that are based on situations that don't apply anymore. So it's not a real-time misperception of threat, but it's someone who's organized. I don't want to say someone who, it's a set of habit habits organized around previous threat, and those habits still exist today, even though the threat is no longer present. So we have those two distinctions, these chronic reactive habits, and then then these acute moments in which it's a little more obvious that we lose perspective, we might notice increased heart rate or some sort of freezing or shutting down, and we lose some access to our skills So that's kind of the scope of what we're calling reactivity, or at least a short definition. Hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. And and it's, uh, yeah, I notice it's that tightening, I get that tightening or the dropping sensation, or it's a, a, definitely I feel it in my body. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Right. And I like that you said that because sometimes with my students, I say the most basic form of noticing reactivity is contraction. 
Because even when we're angry and it seems like we're expanding into this big fighting person, our muscles are contracting. Our perspective is contracting. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting that you say that because for me, anger feels like I'm going into this ball. It's turning energy and it's ready to fire out. But yeah. it starts as that contraction into a hmm. really powerful ball of energy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that contraction resonates. Yeah. Yeah, you notice that phase of tightening, getting ready yeah. to attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so where does um, tender needs fit in with the chronic? Because I've, how does that fit into the chronic reactivity mm-hmm. model? So mm-hmm. we can hold all these, and that truck integrate all that. Yeah, and for folks who are listening, maybe haven't heard this phrase, tender needs. It's basically a concept that we identify based on, you know, lots of history and psychology based on stages of development. And that each human developmental stage, we have very specific tasks, which includes forming a relationship to particular core or basic needs. And so as we go through those stages of development and in any particular stage that we are faced with a lot of limiting experiences regarding meeting that need or developing confidence that that need can be met, we develop habits to cope with that reality. And those are the habits I just mentioned, the habits that later when the situation has changed, we call chronic reactivity. Because you might have now that you're older and grown all kinds of ways to meet one of those core needs but your system like hasn't done the update, right? And so you're still operating as though you never have support or it's a big threatening, scary world and it's hard to be safe or your autonomy isn't welcome in the relationship and so on, right? There's these layers. So we might, we could say that tender needs are like the nucleus of a chronic reactive pattern. And therefore, it's also the place where we can heal and dissolve those habits through that healing. I see. So the tender need is is almost required to create chronic reactivity. Yeah. So, So would you say that if somebody has no tender needs, they would not have any chronic reactivity? Well, the first thing I would say is I would like to meet that person because that would be really (laughs) exciting (laughs) to meet someone who didn't, who grew up with no limiting experiences. So theoretically, (laughs) theoretically, but we have yet to meet that person. Yeah, I have yet to meet that person for sure. (laughs) So then, from my understanding, Michelle, clarify it sounds like. A tender need then could be a situation in which maybe a, our younger self, a younger version of ourself didn't get a, a need to maybe be heard or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. matter or mm-hmm. even safety. And, mm-hmm. and so that the fact that that younger part of us didn't have those tender needs met would be the work of either going back to that younger self and trying to meet those needs or witnessing that of those events that would be to bring healing to maybe those tender needs then within this understanding is that right 
Yeah, I I would want to separate a modality of healing from the actuality of the situation and that there might be many ways we could heal our relationship to a particular need. Okay. In this case, what we're calling a tender need. Mm. But yeah, you could think of it as, you know, an inner, inner part, or you could think of it as a neural network of associated experiences, right? Think of it as habits of perception and decision-making. You could think of it as an organizing system for experience. There'd be a lot of different ways to frame it. And what I imagine is, depending on the healing modality you prefer, you would would just use different words to describe chronic reactivity. Yeah, Yeah. but it it seems like the common denominator with whatever modality you would use to, to heal or to help the, the, the tender need remains the same though. So if it was yeah. maybe safety or. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That. And we identify nine kind of needs that go along with those developmental stages and other people might have other lists, but more or less I'll name them quickly. It's safety, belonging, support and nourishment, autonomy, intimacy, acceptance, love to be seen and heard, and inclusion. Mm. So we might use different words for those same needs, but those are the, we can identify very distinct patterns of reactivity regarding those needs and very universal patterns because when we're below the age of seven, all human beings have more or less kind of similar developmental capacities to cope. So therefore, we're going to have a lot of similarities across people who are coping with their need for autonomy at age three, because those coping mechanisms are so limited, you're going to see a lot of similarities. Is that making sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it's really helpful to identify your tender needs so that you can, you know, be aware and start to work with that. So that's, it's helpful when you name them so you could start one, you know, exploring if any of those apply to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And there's, you know, when we talk about in our classes, there's just simple, exercises of figuring out what is your tender need and then starting to observe the habits around those needs. So for instance, if you have a tender need for support and you have a chronic reactive pattern of doing everything yourself and not accepting help, you can see how it creates a vicious cycle, right? You're carrying in two big bags of groceries and your partner says, oh, can I help you? And your answer is, I can do it rather than just receiving help because it's nice to receive help. And so there's that, that I can do it instead of being a competent, as an expression of competency becomes an expression of isolation, right? Instead of imagining, or, oh, wouldn't it be nice to collaborate in bringing the groceries in and it could just be a little lighter load. You block that receiving. So there, so we're trying to notice, oh, am I blocking opportunities to have my need met that I'm not yet conscious of? And we're looking to become aware of that. We call those nourishment barriers. 
Michelle, can I ask maybe a further question that's maybe outside of the scope of reactivity? And if it doesn't work for the um, our, yeah. our aim here, please, we can redirect. But when it comes to correcting the nourishment barriers, like ex for example, if the tender need happened to be support, mm -hmm. we uh, begin receiving support or allowing more support to uh, nourish us, w would that heal? Um those um what would that heal that that neural network that system that inner child by simply beginning to receive uh, the nourishment that we need or would you say that there's deeper work that would need to be done in addition to that well i might break it down like this is that there is an incredible potential to heal if there's mindfulness on board about the process of receiving. So you could let your partner carry the bag of groceries. And then while you hand the groceries, you could make a list of all the other things they don't do for you. Right. <laughs> so it seems like you received the help, but really it's not actually, you're not actually having a new experience. Oh, sure. Right, which is a real simple definition of healing. Like we have a new experience of the same event or a similar event. Mm. And so maybe we could say that if healing is a new experience, then we need a critical mass of new experiences of meeting that need, noticing it's met with some amount of mindfulness, feeling the nourishment go in, and even celebrating that nourishment to help it really go in until that network of experience of this need can be met is taking up more space in our consciousness or is a more well-run network of experience than the network of experience that says there's a lot of threat and lack around this need. So you start to shift your belief towards around around that need and around your experience of that need. Right. Through, your belief, those healing experiences. your physiology, your body posture, your decisions, what you notice in your environment, right? The, the network is vast and infinite about what gets associated in both an expansive resource network and a limited network or a reactive network, as we're saying. I also noticed that work, being aware of my tender needs was really important as a parent because I was projecting my tender need experience onto my children. So mm -hmm. for example, inclusion is something that is a little, an acceptance is a little more tender for me. Yeah. It's not tender for my wife, right? Yeah. But then when my daughter Jordan was not included with her friends, I was, I was like, oh my God, she must be crushed. And, yeah, you know, exactly. I don't believe her friend and, and Jordan's saying, oh no, she was just busy with something else. I'm like, no, she's, I don't believe her, you know? <laughs> yeah. And my wife, Alona was, you know, was basically seeing it the way Jordan was seeing it. And I was sure that they just were not aware of what was really going on. And then I realized, oh, this is my tender need popping up. And it's a different reality almost. Right. Exactly. Because, because of that, reactive relationship to that need, uh, that reactive part is scanning for threat to that need. 
And when you have kids, it's doing it not just for you, but also for your kids, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. And my kids are like, Dad, I, you know, you're seeing this <laughs> big, you know, fire and I don't see anything at all. What are we missing here? Yeah. 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 Wow. But it's helpful also when I can tell, oh, okay, this is this is probably the reality and here's an opportunity for me to heal also. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So I, I brought uh, a real life example of something around, huh. I think it was chronic reactivity. Okay. I thought we would share and it was with Mark here. Oh, good. Something mm -hmm. live, personal. Yeah. yeah. And Mark gave permission and mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've, we've worked on this tenor need together in the past. So I feel pretty comfortable sharing it. Okay. So it's, um, here's, okay, here's so before, before we start this process, I just want to say that this can be also a coaching experience as well as um, an, an informative one for our audience so that if I find myself getting triggered or reactive, I, I'm going to want to point it out and maybe demonstrate how I might regulate myself uh, in real time if that works for you, Dr. Matt, as well. Yeah. Great. Sounds good. Cool. So this was around, this This same pattern happened twice, one with someone else, but then the second time with Mark. So it was a little bit fired up already, but it was around, I got a um, text from Mark and the observation was the words um, around his excitement to, um, and he said it was a dream to work together with me. And he, it was one of his dreams to work together with me. And I, and I noticed when that happened, I couldn't take it in at all. Like mm -hmm. I, and in fact, I shifted to a judgment. So my body went tight. Yeah. I judged that there was something wrong with Mark to like me that much. <laughs> and I actually started to get yeah. like turned off and pull away and be like, what is wrong with this guy? Like I must be missing something. Wow. It was that intense. Wow. And I love Mark, you know, I love Mark. And so it was like, my brain was double tracking almost, yeah. but I noticed that whole experience in my body. And I thought we could play with that a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So first I just want to check in, Mark, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I am feeling just warm and touched right now. I, I was expecting my heart to start racing and, and uh, cortisol to pump through my body. But I just am feeling a lot of warmth and tenderness around this this topic and can't wait to dive into it with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so a relief to hear it. I feel like even a little bit of tears in my eyes because mm. there's a part of me that feels so guilty mm. having those thoughts about someone like you. Mm. And this actually has happened with another friend too, where what you know, where I feel so guilty that I'm almost want to get away from that person, but they're such a wonderful person at the same time. Mm. 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 Yeah. Mm. yeah. So there's the initial reactivity and there's reactivity about the reactivity. <laughs> when I, I go big or go home, Lachelle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. I know that about you. That is I so true. That, <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually pick that up, but that's a helpful point, Lachelle. <laughs> reactivity about the reactivity. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's common, I think, to feel guilty or ashamed after reactivity happens, right? Yeah. 
So it's helpful for me just sort of walking through, okay, great. I noticed this experience. Now what? And I can easily intellectualize it, but that doesn't tend to lead to healing experiences for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to suggest in this moment too, uh, if there was something that you'd like for me beyond what I've already shared, um, if that would be sweet in this moment or, or constructive for our time. No, I, right now, nothing's coming up that I can, as a request. Mm -hmm. I think the first, I was able to notice the body and my body, like almost like a holding of my breath and like, uh, you know, and, and then initially was just to go away from it. Like I ignored the text almost and just sort of like pretended it didn't happen, but I saw the, uh, I was aware of the experience. So I didn't want to let that go at the same time, right? But I think normally I might have just sort of moved on or quickly written back, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But I but I really want to heal around that because I I believe the tenor needs around acceptance and wonder, you know, and and my experience is is that um I had to work hard for acceptance and that people didn't want to include me or accept me. So that if someone does, there must be something wrong with them. Mm. I don't know if that's it, but that was what came to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I want to break down because you've already said a lot about okay. the action. And I want to break it into categories for folks. So part of the competency of reckoning, recognizing reactivity is to be able to recognize it in various parts of experience. So maybe the most initial reaction is the decision you made to just like, oh, you read it and then you just put your phone away or whatever, right? So that movement away, a decision to move away could easily be a symptom of reactivity. And then- and move, away, move away could also be just a quick response where you're not actually, right. it's not a genuine response. It's like, yeah, me too. And then similarly, right? Right. It might, you might take an action, but there's a disconnected action or right. some action that gets you away from the initial stimulus as fast as possible. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's the category of decisions. What decisions am, am I making and asking if those are symptoms of reactivity? And there's the category of thought, which you mentioned a few thoughts like, well, what's wrong with him? Or... What's the other? What are some other thoughts that you named, Matt? I think what's wrong with him? How? Why? You know, there must or there must be something wrong with him if he's mm -hmm. that excited. Or nobody dreams to work with me. What, what do you uh, mean dreaming? That's that's ridiculous. Uh huh. <laughs> so then some judgment thoughts, like, oh, yeah. that's a ridiculous thing to say. Maybe yeah. somewhere in the background is it can't be authentic. Right. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And then you notice something in your body, Matt, like a contraction and kind of moving down. In yeah, I'm pushing in. Like it's like, uh, like I'm uh, holding my breath and like holding your breath. contracting and going forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm going to say this word, but I felt guilty even thinking the word, but like disgust almost. Like, a, uh, like, a, I'm glad. Bleh. 
Yeah. Yes. But I didn't want to mark. I didn't want to say that I was disgusted by something by Mark or anything. But it. <laughs> but that's the that was the feeling. Oh, I'm so it's so sweet that you named that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not mm. having trouble hearing that. You're not. Is that true right now, Mark? You're, are you having any trouble hearing that that was his reaction? Oh no, it's stimulating. I mean, I I can't tell you how great it's. It, it's the unfleshing of vulnerability that I just savor. And so what I'm hearing is. Uh, so I'm wondering if it was just connected to that. I'm wondering if the disgust was connected either to your treasuring of authenticity or if the disgust was maybe connected to mm -hmm. the, the, um, hmm. I wonder what it's connected to. Yeah. Yeah. So he's making a needs guess. It sounds like. The authenticity. Well, thinking, I think, Mark I think yeah, I think maybe in that moment. I, 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 my sense is it's more around. I, I'm trying to think about the need, right? Because it's around the thought would be. There's something wrong with him for if if it's if he likes me that much. So to me, that's where the disgust is. Like it's not around authenticity so much as. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm struggling actually. Hold on a second. I think because I'm in the experience, plus I'm trying, <laughs> I'm double okay. tracking here. Take your time. You don't have to double yeah, just, track if you want. And my mind, when I'm in the feeling mm. space, my head goes offline a little bit. So, Almost like I mean the first thing I bubbled up was like like safety almost like mm -hmm. like, like he wants something for me. Not, and not even want, but like is it okay? Like when people like you, there's like there's just something wrong with them. There's something you can't trust, right? There's something mm -hmm. off, whether it's gonna be wanting something or some type of boundary. Um yeah. override where I just need to get away or have a stronger boundary around that because there's just something off with that person. Mm -hmm. One thing I can say about words like disgust or feelings like disgust or when you find yourself um, doing ridicule of someone or condescension, often I think what's true there is that there's something that you wanted that was precious to you in your life that was absolutely not available. So you learn to exile that need. And so when we push a need so far outside of ourselves, like people just could easily love me and want to be with me, I'm well-liked, I'm well-accepted, something like that. Mm. If that wasn't a part of your experience growing up, then sometimes for self-protection, that person will say, well, that's a stupid thing to want. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you shouldn't want that in the first place. Only babies want that, or, right? There, there starts to be this push it away, push it all the way out so that I don't have to feel the pain of wanting that. I see it as something unwantable. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's... That really fits. Ah. That's the that's the 
where it's just like loving me unconditionally. I didn't have to do anything, right? Yeah. He just, usually I have to do something for people to value, right? And Mark is just, yeah. you know, loves me and wants to be together with me, right? Like that's just something that I pushed away and didn't ever want because I didn't expect it. Right. Hmm. That makes sense. And even right there, you said, we heard you say another part of experience of the pattern. Usually I have to do something for people to like me, love me, or want to be with me, right? That's that chronic reactive pattern talking. Uh -huh. That pattern says unconditional people just loving me because they're, they're able to do that. That doesn't exist in the world. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's where the trust comes. Like, don't trust that. There's got to be a catch. There's got to yeah. be something wrong with it. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's where the safety and that makes sense. Cause then my body is like, whoa, you know, alert, alert. Yeah. <laughs> Danger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I can, can feel my body now just softening almost like, um, huh. it feels like a warm wave just naming that. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, your body can soften as you allow a reality, a possible reality that you could just be loved and you didn't have to, maybe you don't have to earn it or prove yourself or Mark can and just I can, show And up I can trust it. You. Right. Yeah. And I can trust that. Well, yeah, like it's not dangerous. It's not weird. It's not. Mm. you know sketchy or mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. inauthentic mm -hmm. yeah yeah so even in this moment as you're saying you're relaxing you're softening and just to be able to say i can trust that Right. So that I would call that a healing moment. Yeah. You're remembering the same stimulus and you're seeing it in a new way. You're having a new experience of the same stimulus. And then Lachelle, to maybe follow to, to follow up with this train of thought, what could Matt or anyone else do um to maybe get more nourishment that way and, and use the support of someone that he can trust mm -hmm. to slowly kind of be able to take in um, expressions like that. Like what can, what could maybe I do to support Matt in this area where there is a tender need that could be of service and how can Matt ask for that from people that he trusts? Yeah. He began to nourish himself this way. Do you have suggestions along those lines? Well, it sounds like you and Matt and, and maybe your group there at We Heal are creating a culture <laughs> that even allows us to talk about stuff like that. Big time. So that's monumental. And that's the big dream, right? That we start to create community and culture that says, hey, it's okay to say what you need and to ask for a way in which you could take something in or to ask for a pause and say, wait, you said something that could be really nourishing and nice for me to take in, but I need another moment. Mm 
right? Yeah. Wow. Creating a culture in which that's part of what happens. I can't imagine a bigger gift than that, than what you all are creating together with We Heal. Big time. And just to say that right there, yeah, I felt like my my face smile a little, right? Like the just to be able to say, hey, Mark, this is coming up against a tender need. Can mm-hmm. we sit with this together for a little bit? So I don't have to do it alone mm-hmm. and we can work with it versus I have to deal with it. Yeah. Or ha- yeah, I can even have a reaction and there's space for that. Yeah. Versus before it was either my old pattern or I'm doing handling it alone and that's hard. Yeah. So this is a, but I like, I, I was worried that you were going to go Mark into how can I do less so that I don't trigger the tenor need. And I was pulling away from that. I really don't want you to, yeah. I want you to be stable. Totally. I can now grow around. Whoops. I can grow around that. Does that make sense? The difference there? Oh, hundred uh, percent. And and so the idea is how can we nourish this beautiful tender need in a way that um, might support you during the times where the react the reaction might be to withdraw, uh, or to or to hide or to cover, which is a very understandable reaction when we have a tender need that gets all of a sudden triggered by something. And so, um, hmm. your your reaction might be to stop saying things like, oh, it's a dream of mine to work with you, right? You might say, oh, let me tone it down a little bit so I don't, you know, make Matt uncomfortable. There's, that's a, I would say a lot Walking of people- Walking on eggshells is what right. you don't want to create. Right. Right. No, no, no. We know each other too well. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but I can imagine a lot of people holding this alone because one, they don't want you to behave differently. They don't want to admit they're having these feelings they feel guilty about. Yeah. So it continues to perpetuate the yeah. lack of healing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm feeling appreciative that you're here and showing up and willing to do this together and that this healing can happen with your support. It's that I really appreciate that, Mark. Ah, oh, my heart right now, my whole chest area is just feeling an incredible amount of warmth and tenderness. Um just drinking from your vulnerability right now with such refreshment. Uh, and so I'm very much nourished by this um, and, and and really eager to to work with you and play with you in this area now. Because it, in fact, if anything, it's going to make me more conscious when I have those thoughts of appreciation or admiration to actually be more deliberate and to say, hey, I have something for you. Uh, <laughs> I have a gift for you. Are you in a place to hear it? <laughs> well, I didn't say I want more either, Mark. You know, let's take it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Baby steps, Mark. Baby steps. <laughs> and I want to highlight, like, Matt and Mark, you guys have been practicing together for a while. And right. Matt's a certified NVC trainer. And Mark's done tons of personal growth. So, People listening might feel a little discouraged, like, wow, you guys are doing like next level things together. And so I just want to highlight that this kind of relationship that you two have can start with just a simple empathy practice. Just a practice of setting aside a little time with a friend or a partner or whoever it is in your life 
and saying, hey, I want to share something and I only want empathy back, nothing else. Right? So that's just creating that habit leads to this kind of capacity here that we're seeing of holding tender needs here in reactivity and not taking it personal. And like there's layers and layers of competency, consciousness, and skill that the two of you are engaging in to just have this conversation. So I just want to name that because for someone who's new to this work, it can seem like, well, I'll never be like that. <laughs> and I yeah. want to name that it really, it really can happen in just a simple empathy practice opens the door to to the level of relationship that the two of you have. Mm. That's so true. Absolutely. Mm. And it also highlights the value of just holding space for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And how powerful that is toward and supportive of healing that is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, isn't that the truth? Because I think that the the more recognized response would be for me to all of a sudden start explaining to you, no, this is what I was trying to do. This is what I was. Right. What, yeah. Defending your authenticity and all the reasons just, why. Absolutely. And we would have missed a, a glorious opportunity to really sit with Matt's experience and, and um, deepen into that, that vulnerability and healing work. Yeah. Wow. And it's interesting because if he explained why, because he was he wanted to be seen, it's, I'm, I mean, chronic reactivity is not really about him. He's just the stimulus. Right. So it takes me, it takes away from really what's in, in need in the moment. I'm mean, not that your needs aren't, but it's two separate things now. Yeah. So I just wanted to also, that I think the chronic reactivity is stimulated by maybe other people's actions, but not, they're not the cause of it. Right. And we, we try to separate those things a lot in our consciousness. Mm. Stimulus mm. and cause. It's mm. key to, that's key to understanding reactivity. And, and sometimes when people are new to this work, they're like, well, what that person did was painful. You're telling me I'm just reacting like, <laughs> like, rea like reactivity is invalid somehow. Mm -hmm. or their pain is invalid. And so we could say that with, with any action that someone does that doesn't work for us, there's an impact. There's an initial impact that maybe doesn't feel good in our bodies or in our hearts. And often after that initial impact, there's a story we start telling ourselves with the speed of light that makes it worse. Yeah. And so it's it's not about sorting everything out. Maybe it's more about doing just what you're doing right now, Matt, of just like saying, hey, all this experience happened in me, over here in me. Would you be willing to accompany me in my world of experience so that it can, it, or I should say, I can receive compassion. And as I talk about it, I get more clear and I understand what i'm longing for basically i wonder if it's easier to see here how mark was a stimulus but not the cause because it was something you know quote unquote nice you know that he yeah. said versus yeah. if someone says something that is not nice it's easier to think they're the cause of it so 
interesting here to really help separate stimulus versus cause. Yeah. Yeah. And just to beat the drum a little bit harder, Michelle, the point about really maybe making it clear to the person we're in relationship with, if something that person has done has, whether it was a positive um, comment or a negative one to really make it clear to this person we're trying to be in relationship with and maybe address some of our tender needs, how this is really our experience and really saying, I, I would love for you to listen to me, but I, I, I want to make this so clear that what I'm about to share is really about what happens in me. This is not a reflection of you. The best way I could maybe get some support from you would be if you just were to listen and maybe reflect back what you hear me saying, but, but, but just keep in mind that this is really about what's going on in me. And I'm wondering if you actually even have the space for that yeah. to do that. Right. Yeah. Mm. And that probably begins with your stating your intention. Because mm. without that intention, maybe mm. some default fill in the blanks are to make you say sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. To criticize you, to get you to change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it owning your reactivity doesn't mean that you won't have a request of the other person. You might. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If they want to contribute to your ease or well-being in the future, maybe they'll do something different. Or maybe you don't have a request because you're like, ah, oh, now that I understand where you were coming from when you said that, you could do the same thing again and I wouldn't be triggered. And Right. There's a lot of complexity there and choice choice points mm. if we have a tender needed and we want to and we have a someone that we trust and we want to work on this tender need and maybe begin to experience some healing or some nourishment um how we set this dynamic up with this person is important um yeah. really kind of establishing this level of trust and yeah. and care for them as well Mm -hmm. work through this process seems to be a really important piece too, doesn't it, Michelle? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. We Sometimes in our classes, we teach something called healing responses, and maybe that's a little bit more about the next competency, in which if you have a close relationship and both people are wanting to do personal work and be self-responsible, then, you know, Matt could share with you well a healing response for me regarding my tender need for acceptance is this and if from the autonomous generosity of your heart mark it occurs to you to say that that could be helpful for me right we can offer up those opportunities that are quite specific yeah yeah i like that a mm. kind of a way of expressing your acceptance of Matt that Matt just like di eats and digests easily and nourishes his heart easily. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, sure, maybe... I like your, I like the way you're thinking, but usually you sometimes will give menus of ways of doing that. Do you have an idea of what a healing response in that situation would, could, could sound like I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. 
Well, I imagine you know your healing responses, but I'll make some guesses for the sake of our audience. (laughs) Hmm, I could imagine some possible healing responses might sound like, Matt, you don't have to do anything to be my friend. There's nothing you have to do for me to be my friend. Hmm. It's enough just to be here, Matt. You don't have to earn my love. I'm happy just hanging out with you. Whether you're doing great or whether you feel shitty, I'm still happy to be with you. Yeah, I'm sucking all those up. I like it. (laughs) You like all of them. (laughs) I like all of them. (laughs) Is there one that you know for yourself, Matt, that is? No, I haven't really gone that. Mm -hmm. Detailed for that one. The, yeah, for that one. Um, so that's helpful. Yeah. Mm. And of course, you can do them for yourself, right? Like, mm, I'm worthy of love just as I am. I don't have to earn love. You can just say those things to yourself. You have to, you, it's kind of a, a, a nuancing. Because, you know, Mark, as you were saying earlier about the inner child and that work, that if the healing response is very adult-like and has like big words and some abstractions, it won't have much power. It really needs to be in the language. I would say probably as close as possible to the language you were speaking at the time the limiting experience around that need occurred. Mm. Yeah, because I think that's I noticed that with your words there, Lachelle. They were they came in, and if it was a lot of intellectual, mm-hmm. that would not have landed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so not that- too long either, right? Like it was a few words. Yeah, mm. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. So maybe something just like I just want to be your friend and have fun teaching our course. That'd be so much fun. Something as simple as that brings me so much joy. Ah, it's more discussed. <laughs> no, no, not just no, no, no. It's it was more. If I'm being authentic here, there yeah. was something about what Lachelle La- said that I just sort of opened up to, and this sort of I can't tell if it was just more about coarse and older type of stuff because it wasn't discussed there. It was more like it just bounced. Versus it felt, Lachelle, it felt like it just went inside of me. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what was different about the words, but I'm just telling you how it landed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I could I could kind of tell that there was a that there was that barrier. And and I'm, I'm curious. This is I guess this is part of having a, a partner that you can kind of work with because if it doesn't go into the soul, exactly. then right, we go back and forth. Ah, so because it could be something on my end. There could be something that might be blocking an energy that um, is necessary for this to really soak into your on uh, your side of things. Mm. Yeah, it's a dance there, Mark. I'm glad you're yeah. naming it in that way because it really is a dance between you being able to say something that's really authentic for you. Yes. And 
to be able to shape it just enough that it actually goes in for, in this case, for Matt. Yeah. Yeah. And I can highlight a little difference there, Matt, since you're you're noticing the difference in delivery, is that I'm really focused on that core need of acceptance. And friendship is actually another need. Interesting. And and then the word friendship, like it brings up a whole network of experience, being popular at school, and like it starts to create interference because it's another concept. Mm. So we're re- it's very the language needs to be pretty primitive. And sometimes, you know, in the world of nonviolent communication, <clears throat> we try to say like what is rather than what isn't, but that's not always the language of the psyche. Ooh. Yeah. So we're it really requires some willingness to explore and right. Yeah. In other words, Lachelle, a judgment, like, um, like, mm, I was about to say, like, you're the best something or other, or just something to where it's, yeah, it may not be nonviolent communication. Um, it, it can be an evaluation, basically, but still be very healing, depending upon the age of the psyche that the, that the pain occurred. Yeah, or depending on like, how does, what is that? Yeah, exactly. What is the language of that network? Like for belonging, one of the healing responses is there's nothing wrong with you, right? So to say there's everything right with you is kind of like, huh? (laughs) What does that even mean, right? If we just did that reversal of say it in the positive way, but we can do some of that. We can say... I see your goodness. So goodness is a little bit of an adjective, right? right? But that's the that's that basic language of the psyche. I see your goodness. That's kind of a core experience. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to go far too far into healing responses, but that's mm. a whole world of. <laughs> <laughs> so- and you have uh, in your chronic reactivity. I think it's a transforming chronic reactivity class. There's a whole handout. Yeah. For people's different chronic reactivity patterns. And in there, you have different sentences that people might respond to. And I noticed when I was reading that, some landed really well and some sort of, you sort of pick what lands and then you can share that with your partner. Yeah. There's a list there that you can use and then you can riff off of that list. Yeah. But you get an idea of sort of what tends to go in for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's a great place to start, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I'm also thinking, Mark, when you say, well, what else could we do? Like just to say, just to celebrate every time something does go in. Right. Right. Mm. If Matt offers you a healing response and you're like, whoa, something just really hit me there in a good way. And you let him know and he starts to learn, oh, what what's kind of core for Mark and what goes in for him? Those two things. What's what's core and what goes in? That's right. I remember well, uh, with a course that Matt is teaching. You, may I share this? By the way, Matt, this has been a real time, I guess. You sent a text to me just saying something to the effect that just seeing your face in the audience helped to increase my sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that landing in my soul with so much warmth that I carried it for three days. I was just kind of replaying it back. 
So it must have really, and I guess I didn't realize the profundity of how that probably just really touched a tender need of mine, but I just skipped away with it, you know, and just, it it nourished me for a few days. (laughs) It was something, yeah. Yeah. And what I would do there, if we were, you know, Mark, if we were working together is I would say, Ooh, don't let that experience go without looking into it more fully, because in that are the, are the keys to your healing. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Right. There's something there mm-hmm. that, oh, it not only went in for you, it was super nourishing. You kept repeating it. There's something there. It's something about the context, the words, the mm-hmm. role you were in, the role Matt was in. Right. We want to look at all of the conditions surrounding that healing experience and pull out, ah, these are the key elements that will help me heal. And this is the need that the relationship to this need that it's healing. Wow. So, so deliberate and uh, intentional, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. yeah. And I like the idea of having like a, a partner like Mark, where we get to practice and play together and we develop trust and safety and, you know, where we can even say, you know, Mark can even say, Hey, did that one go in or did that bounce off? You right. know, it's like, there's totally. a, there's a, a check or like, I know for me, intimacy mm-hmm. with other men is sort of a little tender space for me. And Mark has really been super healing in my relationship for that. So just to even say to Mark, you know, oh, uh, you know, just seeing you in the audience helped me. That for me was like, oh, I wouldn't normally do that. So it was mm-hmm. healing just to share it and then cool mm-hmm. to heal that, hear that it was healing for you to receive it. So then we start, it's almost like giraffe juice, right? Where we're fueling yeah. each other. It's like a feedback loop, right? <laughs> positive feedback loop. A positive feedback loop, right? <laughs> so I guess I'm, I'm recommending to other people to get uh, the the those buddies and people that want to heal and grow and play together. Yeah. So helpful. Absolutely. Mm. I'm wondering if there's anything in closing that either of you want to do to kind of bring this all together. And, and Matt, if there's anything about the experience you shared that seems incomplete in some way also. Now I'm feeling pretty complete and solid around around that. Mm-hmm. Of all the things that I'm just to name, of all the things, those what you said, those couple of lines that you said to me, Michelle, like those are staying with me. Like I'm hearing that again in my head. So mm. it's just a few words, but it's amazing how powerful that is in the right frame like once my body softened and opened up through the processes you outlined yeah then those healing responses come in and it's it feels like it reformats the tape a little bit yeah i can imagine someone else listening who has a tender need for acceptance might be saying right now say those again matt what were the ones that stuck with you would you be willing yeah it was it was about you don't have to do anything for me to love you Mm. I love you just the way you are. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, imagine that connects to that doing that's part of that chronic reactive pattern. Do, do, that push to right. do. Yeah. And, and if I didn't do something and they love me, there must be something wrong. So it also helps me feel safe mm. that, oh, you can, Mark can love me and I didn't do anything. That's okay. That's, that's, that's safe. Mm. Yeah. Or the, I don't have to run away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anything for you, Mark? Feeling so much tenderness right now. I'm almost getting choked up. Um, just to kind of maybe in, in cl my closing would just be paying a lot more attention to to what is really behind those statements that nourish Matt so much. Mm. Be more conscious and intentional mm. to make those in times where that comes up. And in a way that I feel can really maybe reach him. And so really celebrating that clarity um, from this from this talk and just also so much uh, needs for inspiration were met to hmm. with a vulnerable share and your your trust to bring this in real time to this audience for us all. So a lot of appreciation and inspiration. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you both so much. Thank you both. Really, I feel really touched and inspired that you're you're both willing to bring personal examples and share this with each other, with me, and with people listening. And we're trusting those people to to also take care of your hearts as they listen. So mm. I'm liking creating. Mm. A vision of a world in which we share this way and we trust our hearts to be received. Mm. Thank you. You can learn more about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and find free resources, live offerings, and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org You can also connect with Wiseheart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org